Heavenly Father, you promised that your holy word, which goes forth from your mouth, will not return to you empty, but it will accomplish what you desire, and it will succeed in the matter for which you have sent it. May your word have its way, we pray, in every heart this day, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. If you own a dog, or if you have owned dogs, you know what dogs do after a bath, or if they've been out in the rain, and they come inside, what's the first thing the dog does? He shakes, doesn't he? Yeah. Now, they shake in order to get dry. We understand that. But no one teaches them to do that. They do that by instinct. An instinct is a behavior that's not learned. It's, it's simply inherent. It's there. It's the way the animal is. We see that in animals across the so-called animal kingdom. When my family and I were in Alaska, it was the salmon spawning season, and you could look into a stream and see these salmon. They were past their prime. They're ready to die. But with what little strength they have, they're swimming upstream to spawn. No one taught them that. It's instinct. Sea turtles, when they hatch, they don't walk inland. They all make their way to the surf, to the ocean. Many of them will be gobbled up by predators. But instinctively, they head for the water. I've been told that when honeybees find a source of food, they do a little dance. Perhaps as a signal to the other bees where the food can be found. Do humans display instinctive behavior? According to what I've read, that's debatable. But to me, there's really no question. One study revealed, this was a study of six-month-old children. They reacted with fear when they saw a snake or a spider. Now, no one taught them that. It was simply instinctive. I think many of us probably never outgrow that fear of snakes and spiders. Perhaps you've heard of the maternal instinct in women, in a mother. It's this very close, this very tight bond that exists between the mother and her child. She knows the cry of that child. She knows when that child is whimpering or crying. She knows and she cares. That bond is very powerful. And you know it's important for a child, for every child. As long as they're at home, they're still at home growing up, 
it's important for that child to receive as much of that love and attention as is possible. And here's why. Because all too soon that child will leave home. All too soon that child will encounter a hostile world. A world that's not forgiving. A world that is not tolerant. And they'll need all of the love that you and I were able to give them while they were still with us. I can remember many years ago when my mother passed away. It was September 1976. The funeral was in the morning, followed by the burial. And that evening, my sister wanted to return to the graveyard just to be near our mother. So she drove out there and she was able to park on a lane that was near the gravesite. It was getting dark, it was hard to see. But she's in the car thinking of mom. And suddenly the car began to shake. And she looked to her left and there was a man trying to open her car door. Thank God the door was locked. Immediately, he went to the rear driver's side door and tried it. And again, thank God the door was locked. Now, note well, this was back in the day before car doors locked automatically. Back then, if you were locking your car doors, you had to press down each button on each door manually. That's how you did it. So he tries the second door, and it's locked. By this time, my sister is turning the key. The engine's beginning to crank. He runs around the rear of the car and tries a third door. Thank God, it's locked as well. By this time, my sister is putting the transmission into drive. And he tries the fourth door, the passenger side front door, and thankfully, it was locked as well as my sister sped away. Now, locking one's doors is not instinctive behavior. It is learned behavior. It's behavior that is learned by those who will not become victims. And that brings us to point number two, Roman numeral two in the outline. We've already covered number one, instinctive behavior. Number two, we're talking this morning about personal protection. Our gospel reading from John 10 is about personal protection. It's all about the shepherd protecting his sheep. And, and Jesus thinks of us as sheep. And you must know that sheep are the ideal prey. Sheep have no offensive capability whatsoever. They are prey animals. And the number one predator around the world of sheep is the dog. 
My wife knows that from experience. Growing up on a farm, she was raising sheep. And one evening, the neighbor's dogs, at least they think it was the neighbor's dogs, got into the sheep pen and began chasing the sheep around and killing the sheep. And before those dogs left, they had killed several of the sheep and maimed several others. And those sheep who were maimed had to be put down because they couldn't walk. Sheep are prey. And our Lord would have us know that. They have no offensive capability, and neither do we. You may recall in the Gospels when our Lord was arrested the night before he was crucified, Peter drew his sword to protect his master. But what did Jesus say? He said, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And our Lord was the one who said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And when someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other as well. That's our Lord. And we are sheep. We have no offensive power at all. And so this is my question for you today. Do you ever think of yourself as prey? Do you think of yourself as a target of opportunity? You should, because our Lord teaches us to think that way of ourselves in our gospel lesson for today. Jesus teaches us to think of ourselves as prey. Now, you don't need me to tell you that the world is a dangerous place. You know that. But you may need me to remind you that the world is a spiritually dangerous place as well. There are false teachers all around, not just outside the church, but inside the church as well. And false teaching is always seeking an entrance into the fold because the predators out there, the spiritual predators, view us as a target of opportunity. And that's why personal protection, Roman numeral two, must letter A be learned, first of all. It must be learned. You know, our Lord teaches us to be watchful for counterfeit Christs. And just as a U.S. Treasury agent learns to identify counterfeit bills, not by studying all the counterfeit bills, but by studying a genuine dollar bill and digesting well what the real authentic currency looks like, then they're able to judge the counterfeits. So it is with us. We need to learn and relearn who the authentic Christ is so that we can judge the others 
as the counterfeits they truly are. You see, the counterfeit Christs will never point you to the true Jesus who died for your sins. They will always proclaim to you a conditional relationship, a conditional forgiveness. If only you believe enough, if only you're committed enough, if only you do enough, if only you're good enough, then you're his. That's a counterfeit Christ. No, the good news is much better than that. The authentic Christ has already forgiven you 2,000 years ago at the cross. It's a done deal. It's finished. You are already forgiven. And it is the doneness of it, it's the certainty of it, that creates faith in the heart, that it's so. This is the good news that differentiates truth from error. That's discipleship. That's learning what is true and then being able to judge what is false. Letter B, there's instinctive protection as well. In fact, your protection is so important to the Good Shepherd Jesus that he won't leave it to you. No. He creates a maternal bond with you and with me, the kind we spoke of earlier. You know, God made both man and woman. And our God, our Lord, has a maternal side as well. The prophet Isaiah wrote this, and this is God speaking, our Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ speaking. Can a woman forget her nursing child or fail to have compassion on the child of her womb? Though she may forget, yet I will not forget you, says the Lord. You see, the Lord knew you before you were born. In fact, the Lord himself gave you a new birth, a second birth. So, number one, the familiar voice that we know is Christ, subscript A, or lowercase a, Christ's maternal instinct. There's other passages there. There are many alluding to this. And letter B, you were born again of water and the Spirit. And, and just as a child knows the voice of his mother and father before he's born, so we know the voice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. And that voice of our Lord and Savior assures us that we are forgiven. It assures us that we are supremely and sacrificially and unconditionally loved by him. And that is the voice that overrules all of our past sins. And it drowns out the voice of the accusing conscience within all of us. And that voice of Jesus is the voice of God himself. And the voice of the minister of the gospel absolving you of your sins, that is the voice of 
God himself as well. And that's the voice that overrules every other voice accusing you of wrongdoing outside of yourself and inside of yourself as well. His sheep hear his voice and we follow him as his forgiven people. Number two, the strange voice, the voice of the stranger, we will not follow because we recognize that is not the voice of Jesus. The voice of the stranger always directs us to our own works rather than to the works of Christ. The voice of the stranger always directs us back to ourselves and whatever we need to do to satisfy God rather than directing us to the voice of Jesus and to the work that he's finished on the cross for all the world. And so, Roman numeral three, the application. The application is simply this, in whatever venue we are, absolute Christ-centeredness. That's the application. Jesus alone is the door. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Christ alone is the resurrection and the life. Last fall, I was invited to speak to our Mops women. And their theme for this year was, quote, to the full, based on John 10.10 from our gospel reading for today, where our Lord said, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. And I mentioned to them, to the women, I said, you are a flock of Christ. You belong to him. And if you're his flock, that means there's only one door of entrance into this group. And that door is Jesus himself. And, and here's what that means. That means you have to be careful whom you let in that door. Whom you let in that door better be bringing you Jesus. Because if they're not bringing you Jesus, well, it's a good question. What are they bringing to you? Let's hope it's not the stranger's voice saying something else. No. I told the mops moms, I said, the only message I'm commissioned to bring to you is Christ and him crucified for you. That's it. Letter A, I must bring to you no other message than the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. That's the very next verse after our gospel reading for today. I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. St. Paul wrote, the Corinthian Christians, I resolve to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. As we've said so many times before, that's the good news that not only saves you, but it sanctifies you day by day by day. That's the message that equips you to be Christ to one another. And this is what it means to have life abundantly. Any other message, letter A, is strange and destructive. Every other message is strange and destructive. In fact, every other message, a spiritual message, every other spiritual message is malevolent. It means you harm. So letter B, 
What does that mean for all of us? Pastor and parishioner as gatekeepers. Jesus mentions the gatekeeper in verse 3 of our gospel reading for today. And you and I are gatekeepers. You see, Jesus is the doorway to the flock, but he's also the shepherd of the sheep who goes in and out of the door. I mean, let's face it, he's everything, okay? He's everything that we need. And so there's multiple illustrations of who he is and what he does, and there's two of them in our gospel reading for today. He's the shepherd and he's the door. And those of us who have responsibility in the congregation are gatekeepers. Those of us who have responsibility in the home are gatekeepers as well. And what does a gatekeeper do? A gatekeeper opens the door to Christ and Christ alone. Our job as pastors and parents, congregational officers, ministry leaders here at Grace, our job is to watch the gate and let no one in except Christ crucified and risen for us. And as gatekeepers, we also need to watch the walls because that false teaching is always coming in. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when and how. It comes in through the television, it comes in through the internet, it comes in through the snail mail every day. It may sound attractive, it may look appealing, but God's people know the difference between what's true and what's false. So today, Jesus teaches us to see ourselves as targets of opportunity. He sees us as prey. Now that's a message of law. So what's the gospel? Simply this, that Jesus Christ, in your baptism, in your conversion, he claims you as his own sheep. We are his flock. We've been reborn in his image. And our Lord has maternal instincts toward us. And the voice of strangers we dare not heed. But Christ's voice is the familiar voice. That is the voice we've known since our rebirth into Christ. His is the voice we trust. His is the voice we follow. In Jesus' name, amen.